You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 35. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Welcome to another episode of the Mother Good Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us today. I was so shocked, as probably many of you were, last week when I heard the big announcement by Rachel Hollis that she and her husband of almost 20 years were getting a divorce. Now, I'm not really shocked when most celebrities announce that they're splitting, but in this case, I was surprised because Rachel specifically marketed herself as being authentic and transparent and also as being a relationship expert. And so me always wanting the best for other people, I was genuinely very sad that their relationship was ending. And then I noticed also in conversations with friends and acquaintances and in some Facebook discussion groups that I'm in that it really affected a lot of women out there. And so I thought that this was a really important topic to address on this podcast since it has affected so many of us. Not only did I want to discuss this topic because of what happened with Rachel Hollis, but also to broaden the discussion a little bit more, just to talk about in general, what is the right mindset that we should have when we admire other relationships and marriages and our daily lives and our personal lives. And so that we're not overly disappointed when those relationships or marriages fail, you know, what's the right and healthy mindset to have towards those types of situations. I really wanted to discuss this on the Mother Good podcast because I know that as mothers and wives that our relationships and marriages are a very important part of our lives. And it's only natural to be disappointed when those marriages and relationships we admire fail. And so I asked Dr. Tracy Danglish to come on our show to talk about this. And I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation It's just so eye-opening and fascinating what Dr. Tracy talks about, you know, why we are so disappointed when celebrity marriages fail or other relationships fail that we really admire, why we are specifically disappointed with Rachel Hollis's situation and other public figures who hold themselves out as relationship experts when their relationships or marriages fail. I know that I even heard last week Kelly Clarkson announced that she was getting divorced as well, and usually... Those sorts of announcements don't really bother me because I know that Hollywood relationships and marriages often fall apart, that they're not really known for making it. But I specifically remember Kelly Clarkson being interviewed about a year ago talking about how she never knew that she could be so happy and that her marriage was so wonderful. And it was really filled with a lot of, I guess, what the terminology is called toxic positivity, where it's just 100% sunshine and roses and gives no negativity whatsoever. And then it makes you feel bad about your own life because obviously no one's life is 100% perfect. And then when you're reading these stories of people such as Rachel Hollis or Kelly Clarkson, where they're painting this picture that they have such this perfect life and marriage and relationship and all this. And it it really makes you feel bad about your own life, even if you were perfectly happy with your life before reading about 
<laughs> whatever that they were talking about. So that's kind of the ironic thing about um, toxic po positivity. We also talk about parasocial relationships, which are basically the relationships that we feel that we have with celebrities or famous individuals or people that we don't really know and why it affects us the way that it does. And Dr. Tracy gives tips on how to find the best types of relationship advice. She gives some book recommendations and also therapy recommendations. And she also talks about some practical tips and real solutions to fostering a strong marriage and relationship. And I know some people are a little bit jaded now on relationship advice, especially in light of what happened with Rachel Hollis and other people who hold themselves out as relationship experts when their marriages failed. But as Dr. Tracy points out in this episode, that it's really important to ensure that you're receiving your advice from an actual expert on the subject. And when she says expert, she means a psychologist or some other sort of clinically trained relationship expert. If you look at a lot of the authors of the self-help type books that they really don't have any training. So if you are disappointed when something that they do or say fails or doesn't turn out the way that we expected, that can almost be expected since they're not an expert in what they're really talking about. Finally, Dr. Tracy talks about what role models we should be looking at instead, and most importantly, what sort of mindset to have when we are admiring other relationships and marriages so that we aren't disappointed when they do fail and also just to have a healthy outlook in general on admiration for other relationships and marriages. As I mentioned in this episode, I'm not a fan per se of Rachel Hollis. I've never really considered myself one, but I obviously have heard about her a lot and I'm familiar with some of her work. So I was surprised that when she made her announcement that it did give me pause. And also I just noticed that, you know, someone, so many of my friends and acquaintances were just talking about it so much, I just realized it has affected so many other women as well. So I'm really excited to bring you my excellent conversation with Dr. Tracy. And with that, without further ado, here is our chat. Dr. Tracy Daglish, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Emily, for having me here on the Mother Good Podcast. You guys are doing such great stuff. By, I mean, just every episode you have is just so needed for mothers today. Well, thank you. I'm such a big fan of your page too. And I know that we've been trying to coordinate this episode for a while and I had all the morning sickness. So thanks again for your patience. And yes, I'm so excited too to especially talk to you about this topic, about everything that's been happening lately in the news. You know, so many big, not necessarily celebrity couples breaking up, but actually people who are hold themselves out to be relationship experts. So I'm excited to get your opinion. So before we dive in, maybe you can just give a little bit of background about yourself for those who don't already follow you online and just introduce yourself. Absolutely. So I'm a clinical psychologist and couples therapist, and my practice is largely with women, uh, but I also see couples. So I help, I help women and mothers build healthy relationships and learn to be their best selves by helping them let go of guilt, learn to communicate their needs and feelings, and to set boundaries in their life. And I do this through therapy, one-on-one -on -one couples therapy, or through workshops and the many online educational resources I have. 
When I'm not sitting in my chair with clients, I am presenting to corporations on employee wellness and management. I also work with healthcare providers to help them uh, with key issues related to mental health. I'm also a clinical supervisor, so I see other clinicians and provide supervision to them. And I'm also the owner of Integrated Wellness, a mental health clinic here in Ottawa, Ontario. I didn't realize that you had that other aspect of the, the corporate uh, wellness and everything mm-hmm. that's so needed and so important to in corporations. It, it's so needed. And there are so many tools that we, we can really learn to be better in the workplace. So when we think about things of how we communicate, um, how we deal with stress, even you know cultivating compassion towards ourselves and people we work with, it's so important. It's, it's so needed, particularly during this time, because one of the biggest things I'm hearing from so many of my clients is just how stressed they are and how much they are struggling managing the full load that's coming with this global pandemic. Yes, I know so many people who have been really struggling during this time. So that's so needed too. And and a little tangent too, I I forgot that you're located in Canada. It's funny because I just recently realized um, that a lot of my ancestors actually were Canadian and French Canadian. So now I feel oh. a little bit more of a special con- connection to we're, Canadian. We're more yeah. connected, of yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, well, I'd love to th- then just dive straight into this topic. I know it's sort of controversial and also pretty timely because of especially Rachel Hollis, uh, you know, announcing her big announcement mm-hmm. that she's getting divorced. I know that that was a big one. And then, um, gosh, who was the, oh, Kelly Clarkson. She was the Kelly other Clarkson. one too. And I know that celebrity breakups aren't necessarily big news because I mean, Hollywood celebrities are constantly breaking up. But for some reason, even though I know we were chatting a little bit before the show that Neither one of us consider ourselves like Rachel Hollis fans, uh, but I was shocked that after I heard about it, even though I'm not really a big fan, um, like I haven't even read her books like I know of them and I know of mm-hmm. her. I just found myself constantly thinking about it through the day and then honestly just like really sad for them and then also just thinking about how hopeless that must leave other couples feeling who sort of looked up to them for relationship advice and everything. Uh, So I just thought we could start off with, you know, why is it that we are so disappointed when celebrity marriages we admire fail, especially ones that give it relationship advice like Rachel Hollis? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we could look at this innate need that we all have, and that is this innate need to connect. We are looking for authenticity. We are looking to see what is normal. We're looking to see what is acceptable, people who are vulnerable. And we also find ourselves trying to compare ourselves to other people to find what is right or wrong in our relationships. And so truly, this comes back to this looking for connection. And there's an an interesting relational phenomenon that helps to explain why people feel disappointed when celebrity marriages end. And this is called parasocial relationships. And this is the intimate one-sided relationship between an audience and the celebrity. So the celebrity doesn't know who this person is. Now, what's really interesting, Emily, is that this is actually a relational phenomenon that was studied back in 1950. And it's been even more strongly studied 
um, well, I've strongly studied before the presence of social media, but even more so now. And there are these key themes that come out of this, and that is the theme of um, friendship, of understanding, and of identification as part of the parasocial relationships. So when celebrities post to social media, and we are particularly seeing this now more with you know, with we think of Instagram, that people are popping up in their stories, um, showing what we think is their authentic selves. But we're getting this intimate peek into their lives. So we get to see what their preferences are, what their wishes are, and maybe even their, their struggles. And I'm using air quotes for struggles here, because I think what's key is that we have to recognize people do curate their images to create this sense of closeness and familiarity. Um, that's also called performative intimacy. That's a different term. But, um, y- you know, the research shows that social media increases the parasocial relationship. So we feel this greater sense of connectedness to celebrities and media persona. And that research even shows that attitudes and behaviors of teens will be similar to those that they are in a parasocial relationship with. So super interesting because then if we think, okay, so why are we disappointed? Well, we're disappointed because, you know, it, 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 well, first it's a normal response because we feel like we are in a relationship with, with these people, but we also had hopes for these people. And when we have hope for someone else, we also then have hope for our own relationship and that we tend to view celebrities as having it all and we look up to them and we admire them and and it really gives us that sense of you know if they can do it we can do it too that's fascinating about those studies done in the 1950s and then the parasocial relationships i didn't know that terminology for them but mm-hmm. but that's so true because you know as couples are navigating their way through their own marriages and relationships or even friendships that you know, a lot of times that we do just look for advice. And then if if there's this sort of idyllic relationship that we look up to, and then that fails, then I can see how that's, that's really, you know, detrimental to our own hope yes. and well-being and everything. And, and I really like too what you said about the performative intimacy. And even with non-celebrities, I've noticed that on social media, it just seems like everyone feels like they have to sort of give like a little mini TED talk in every Mm. single social media post I've noticed recently. And again, this isn't necessarily to bash anyone who does those sorts of things or posts like that, because, um, you know, I I actually honestly appreciate some of them uh, that that strike the right chord or seem to have the right balance. But a lot of them just seem just what you were saying, like performative, especially for people who are trying to sell something and, and whatnot and everything. And I just kind of miss those innocent, you know, social media posts of, oh, here's me with my family besides, oh, I just had this revelation and the whole world needs to know about it. But that's a complete sidebar. Um, so it's anyway. though, right? Because then here we are. I mean, we are looking outside of ourselves to see what others are doing rather than who is right beside us. I, I mean, I know- exactly. And I, and I know many of us can relate to this, and I know many moms can relate to this, of this, just the, we're so tired and exhausted at the end of the day, and we go to bed, and our partner's right beside us, but what do we both do? Well, 
you know, most people tend to maybe be on their phone. Mm -hmm. And so we are looking outside of ourselves rather than with the person who was right beside us. And why are we doing that? Well, we're doing that to feel connected. We're doing that to find out if, you know, what happened. Oh, you know, I I yelled at my toddler. Is that okay? Do other people do that? Right? So we're trying to, in some ways, feel connected. But instead of looking at our partner sitting right beside us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I noticed too that, you know, just since becoming a mom that, you know, it's harder to get out when you have younger kids. And especially with this lockdown and all the pandemic stuff going on, that it it kind of forces you to go more electronic. And so mm-hmm. you are looking for those aspects of connecting online. So how about... I think the... the sorry. The, I think the other thing too about this is that we, we do experience this this disappointment because it's it's also a reminder that we experience pain and loss right so mm-hmm. we go back to this sense of hope that if someone is struggling in their relationship and then they can look to someone else and say okay they're making it they do this they do these things i can make it too right. and so when the celebrity relationship ends and we've been over identifying with a celebrity when they break up, then we have to then reevaluate what we think about ourselves and our own relationships and even our own struggles. So it's a hard process. It's a lot to take in. Right, definitely. And I I follow a couple accounts that I feel like are they're pretty authentic. And that's one reason why I, I really enjoy following them, following them. And one reason why I do find them authentic is that I I feel like they are giving me the full picture of their opinions mm. and struggles and they're not just cherry picking. And I guess getting back to Rachel Hollis, that's sort of why I never fully was a big fan of her. Just, I mean, again, I, I'm not, I didn't look at all of her posts, so maybe I'm not categorizing this the right way and maybe she was different. Um, but the way that she presented her relationship with her husband always seemed a little bit, at least on social media, that it was over idealistic. Like mm-hmm. when I, I just remember a specific post and when they were re- renewing their vows after so many years, I think it was just last year and how she just went on and on and gushing about her husband. And then there was nothing negative. And I, I my first thought was, well, if she was truly being authentic, you know, I've, Feel like she should have outlined mm. more negative aspects because there's no way you can be with someone that long and not have right. that part of it. And then not yeah. that you can't, that doesn't mean that you're not happy, but just to acknowledge that it's there. So anyway, I guess getting back to her specifically, I know that she gave relationship advice and I know a lot of people have been expressing disappointment disappointment because her whole platform was built on being transparent with their struggles. And then all of a sudden, you know, this this huge revelation comes out that they've been struggling for three years and on the verge of divorce. So why, why do you think we're specifically disappointed with someone who gives relationship advice um, like Rachel Hollis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, th- there's this piece here, just kind of thinking of her platform specifically, but that this idea that when a celebrity or a media persona discloses to us, when they let us in, we do feel this deepening of this type of relationship. Like there is this form of intimacy. So, you know, her and her husband would jump on and do lives together. I can remember one time jumping on and um, just kind of checking out what she was doing a bit and what was going on. And I remember like she was like, 
grabbing her stomach and, you know, saying how proud she is of her body and this is her mommy tummy and like, you know, this is, and how freeing that can be, right? That if, if someone watching that says, wow, you know, I struggle with this part of me and here's this woman, she's not struggling with it and she's in that relationship and, and they're perhaps happy. Like that again, comes back to that feeling of hope of then I too could maybe have that. And, And yeah, I think, you know, if, if someone who ends their marriage is selling products that are related to say how to grow your Instagram following or how to increase sales in your business, that when their relationship ends, people don't feel as disappointed perhaps because they weren't buying into (laughs) their relationship, right? So I think what people people feel specifically in this example is that, um, you know, we were buying into something. And so if you go to the Rise Together podcast description, the podcast description says filled with tangible advice that will get you and your partner to be the best versions of yourselves. And marketing, I mean, marketing's tricky, right? So this is done in such a way that tells us, first, it plays on our insecurities, that somehow we don't have the answers and that there's something that we're missing. And that also, too, that they have the answers and they can help us. And then that gives us hope. And so now if we're seeing that they aren't making it, then how do they have the answers? So I really do think the disappointment comes from around what is it that the products that people were buying into Um, and people were buying into this idea of being in connected relationships in in working through hardships. And yeah, it really comes back to that hope. Exactly. You know, Emily, the, the other thing too here about relationships is that, and, and we know this even around the, the mother posts at times that, you know, we don't post the picture of the baby who won't latch onto the breast. We don't post the picture um, of, you know, the baby not sleeping and you're crying in the corner. Those don't tend to show up on social media. The other thing that doesn't show up on social media is the fighting or disagreements or Mm. discords between partners. We don't see when couples struggle. And that is detrimental for us because then when we start to struggle, and I hear this commonly from women and couples in my office, what's wrong with us? Maybe we're not Mm. meant to be together. Maybe we're not a good match. Maybe our personalities are just too different because we don't have other examples that, hey, actually – relationships are hard. They're really hard. And you're bringing two separate people together with two different thoughts and feelings, opinions, desires, and wishes. And you're trying to make your worlds work together. And that's hard, especially when you throw in all of the other stresses of children and family and finances and a pandemic and sex. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you brought up that what their tagline was for their podcast and and why we specifically are disappointed with her situation. And mm-hmm. there's one podcast that I've only listened to like two episodes. So I don't want to just recommend it because I, I don't fully know what it's all about. But there's another marriage podcast I've listened to a couple episodes on and it was just pretty refreshing because they were just so honest and they even mm-hmm. talked about their fights too. And for some reason, when I listened to that, I thought, wow, like they, they're giving advice on how they work through it, but they're also, they also weren't cherry picking it 
or, you know, using, I guess another term I've heard uh, thrown around is toxic positivity when they were talking. And it was so real that I didn't feel like I was necessarily being sold something. So if they announced, I don't know, that they were getting a divorce, I guess I wouldn't be as shocked because they were just presenting their real life. It's like, hey, like we're a struggling couple. This is what we're going through. And like, you know, it might work for us. Here's our tips if you want to try them. And this helped us through this certain time. And it was just so honest and refreshing. Um, So I guess uh, what, because I know that you give a lot of relationship advice on your account, Mm -hmm. but you're also, you know, (laughs) you're a professional. Um, What's the best kind of relationship advice? Is it self-help kind of books that like Rachel gives out and podcasts? Or is there anyone that we can trust publicly who gives relationship advice like on on a public scale? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, I think that there are so many different sources that can be helpful. And it's really going to depend on the context in terms of who you are, what you're looking for, and what you're struggling with. So one of the things I like to talk about uh, when it comes to treatment and therapy is around dose effect so and, and severity about what is happening. So for example, if someone is having low symptoms, you know, a few symptoms, if we think of relationship specifically, maybe they feel a little bit stuck, like there's this one issue around the in-laws that always comes up. Um, you know, maybe they want to start looking at some self-help books. And what I say about self-help books, again, I mean, this could be a personal memoir. It could be something that's helpful. Take the nuggets that are helpful. But what you want to look for are um, pieces by reputable authors from researchers and clinicians. So you really do want to look at the credentials. There are And the question here could be, you know, what would you like to read? Something that says, I put the toilet seat down for a year and it helped improve my relationship. Or do you want to read, which is anecdotal, or do you want to read about the research, which we can say, you know, research shows that when couples are doing this, this this is more likely to happen. And that those books are out there. So the two authors that specifically have been researching and studying couples for years, for decades, are Dr. John Gottman and Dr. Sue Johnson. And they both have great resources out there that we can look to them for that advice and guidance. It comes from research. It comes from clinical knowledge and experience. Other authors are people like Esther Perel. Um, you know, I know Emily Nagoski, she writes about sex and relationships, and she's also a researcher. Barry Schneider, he's a researcher and clinician, writes about um, sex and relationships. So turning towards some of these books can be really important. Now, if you are experiencing significant trauma or significant impairment in your relationship, a book might not be enough and we'd want to start moving towards considering therapy um, and other things that are going to help you in your relationship. But I, I think one of the things that really stands out for me here is to look for the experts that when it comes to being a mental health expert, there is so much training behind what it is that we do. So for example, as a psychologist, I am trained in the multiple components and how to work with people. So this is the social, the developmental, the biological, and cognitive perspectives of human behavior. And I am including all kinds of different areas in my assessment and working with people, including things like cultural context, cultural beliefs and values, sexual orientation, gender, socioeconomic status, levels of ability, and and then also all of the theories we're trained in. So we think of systems theory or attachment theory. 
And the other reason why I think it's important to look for the experts when it comes to talking about relationships is that what are the, the question I'd like to ask is what are the ethical obligations that this person mm-hmm. holds? So as a psychologist, when I'm posting on social media, I am going back to the research and my clinical knowledge and training, and I'm not giving advice that's off the cuff. And, you know, I've heard that advice out there before. I can remember it was one of the earliest pieces of advice I had read somewhere in my training to um, becoming a couples therapist is if you put the toilet seat down, your partner will be happy. Right. I've heard that too. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that's, we know that that's not really going to work. But so um, I'm ethically obligated to protect the profession of psychology, but more so to protect the wellness of others. So including my clients and the general population. So what is it that I'm posting out there? I am posting from research and clinical knowledge. One of the things that I actually want to kind of put in here when I think about this, because you're saying, you know, who who should we take relationship advice from? And sometimes people will say, well, my therapist is divorced. I can't see that person for couples therapy. And what's important to remember is that when a therapist, when a mental health therapist is showing up in the office, we are trained that our biases and experiences are not part of the therapeutic relationship. And this is a critical part of what happens in therapy so that the personal experiences of someone. So, you know, whether I have my own opinion about this couple sitting in front of me, which I'm human, of course, I'm going to have my own opinion. That's not relevant in the room. What's relevant is what are the tools and skills that I can help with this couple? What are the ways that I can help this couple communicate their needs and create attachment security in times of distress? That's such a good point because you're not bringing your personal opinions into it like someone else who doesn't have those credentials would be doing. Like, oh, here's what worked for us, which is sometimes maybe only what works for that individual couple, which could vary very widely depending on personality and all those other factors that you're mentioning too. So, and it's funny that you're mentioning, you know, look to the experts because all the self help books I feel like that I know about because they're super popular. Like, one of them is the subtle art of not giving an F, you know, I don't want to have to Mm -hmm. it out, but I mean, it was a best seller and millions of books were sold. And I was just browsing his credentials online that the author, Mark Manson, I mean, again, I'm not trying to put him down or anything because I heard the book was great. Um, But yeah, he's just a a (laughs) blogger and author and, and doesn't really have any other credentials. So that's, that's such a good point to just make sure you check out the credentials of those who are giving and the advice. It doesn't mean that they don't have value. And so I like right. to say to people, take what you need, um, but also have a critical eye and know that just because one thing worked. So if something worked for Mark, right, the way he writes it, and, and I know so many of my clients relate to the message from him and that's fantastic. And it's also right. needed. Um, right. And I think he was also kind of bashing self-help books too. And that's why it was popular. It's kind of like the, the anti-self-help book, which maybe yeah. ignited a fire a little bit more in people. Of course. But so take what you need, right? But then also have that critical eye so that when a relationship ends, when Rachel Hollis ends the relationship, we we took what we needed and then we can move forward. Right. No, that's so true. Have you heard of the book? I just pulled it off my bookshelf because um, 
I haven't read all of it. I've just read, read parts of it, but it's recommended to me the Triumphs of Experience, the Men of the Harvard Grant Study. Mm, um, no, I haven't heard it, of it. I guess it was just big Harvard Grant Study of um, you know what made relationships successful versus not. They just studied couples over the years. Anyway, it looks like uh, he's a professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. So I just was curious. One oh, of my great. friends recommended this to me. She thought, oh, this is great because it studies you know what actually you know, it was, was good in couples. And I, I've, I've only read excerpts, but my takeaway was basically what you've been saying, which is, you know, so many factors go into what it makes a healthy relationship. And a lot of that's oh. personality and, you know, what your upbringing, upbringing was um, and personality, all that. So anyway, it's just, it's very, very complex. And just as you were saying that probably best, you know, best helped with an expert. So I think that's something that we sometimes minimize is that when it comes to working with couples, there are a lot of different factors that we're working with. Uh, I'm working with the individual. I'm also working with the dynamic between the two people. And and that's complex. And especially when, you know, couples start to yell at each other in the room, I've got to be able to hold both of them. Or, um, you know, the other example is, you know, just, just to take an affair, for example, when one partner, you know, several sessions into our work together, when one partner starts to say how painful the infidelity was for them and that they don't, you know, they feel insecure and that they don't know if they're lovable. And if the other partner jumps in and says, yeah, I get it. And I, you know, we stopped having sex and we stopped talking and I was so emotionally empty that I needed something. Mm. You know, I've got to be able to hold both of those people in the room because both of their experiences matter. Um, right. But it's it's how we go about doing that. And so there is definitely training behind working with couples and it's complex. And so I do caution people, you know, take what you need from that. But then if you are getting stuck, it's kind of like the same thing as asking your girlfriends, you know, what should right. I do? And sometimes our girlfriends will be biased, right? Like, oh, I can't believe exactly. he did that. You know, you need to leave him or, you know, <laughs> right. uh, whatever it might be. But um we just need to be aware of that and that if we are really stuck and struggling, we need to reach out for help. And that I'm hoping that this would become more common um, in the coming years. It already is. I'm seeing more couples in my office that are coming as prevention. So instead mm. of waiting until they are ready to get divorced, which is common, people wait until that point and say, okay, we'll try right. therapy now. Um it, it's better to come as prevention. It's better to come and learn what are our blind spots? Where are the spots that we maybe get tripped up on and that we can improve? And then so when the hard stuff happens, we've got those tools in our toolbox. So we know how to work through this. Exactly. And that's not something that they, they teach you in school either no. is relationship tools and how to negotiate and no. all that. And it really, sometimes it just seems like it's based on luck and how you were raised. You know, where did you maybe if you came from a bigger family, you might be better off or I don't know, worse off if you might have some better negotiation skills or you just might be, you know, <laughs> there are all kinds first, of factors, right? There are all <laughs> kinds of factors. Or, you know, you had that one friendship that really taught you how to communicate things. Like, exactly, you know, it all yeah. depends. And, and I think that really demonstrates how complex we are as individuals. Right. 
And when you bring two people together, then it can be really tricky in terms of, you know, how we perceive the world, what we do with our emotions, how we reach out to the other persons, and then, you know, how we reach out, that's care seeking, but then also how we provide care and support to the other person. Exactly. Yes. I I just am reminded of something, a story my husband told me the other day that he lived in Puerto Rico for a little bit when he was in college, like for an internship. And he remembers just seeing this couple and he thought they were arguing, at least from his perspective, that they were arguing and he, he and his friends were watching. They're like, oh my gosh, look at this couple. Like they're going to kill each other, get a divorce or something. Like they definitely hate each other, all this. And they're just watching them yell at each other. And then one of their Puerto Rican friends was just like, oh yeah, that's normal. That's how people talk. And then as soon as a couple was done with the argument, like they like held hands and walked away. Like they were like so in love and the <laughs> healthy Americans were like, what is happening? Like, well, I said that just goes to show, you know, just as you're saying personality and cultural, it's, it's crazy how much, you know, it can vary from couple to couple. So, and I do think that a lot of young people, at least, um, you know, millennials, I think they're a lot more open to therapy, mm-hmm. not even just relationship, but just personal just seems like it's a lot less taboo. And, you know, older generations, it was more serious and you only did it in rare circumstances or whatnot. So I can see that a lot more couples are coming in as preventative. Um, Absolutely. And, and Emily, you know, the other thing too, is this is one of the reasons why I created my membership. It's called Be Connected. And it is a space for, it's a space for women where they can learn to strengthen their relationship. But what, what I do in this space is I teach people how to communicate and how to see the patterns in their relationship and how to see their attachment styles and how that influences what they do in their relationship. And it, it is about, you know, finding ways to bring these experts into your home. I know many people offer e-courses. I've got my membership. Like they're the therapy, the, the things we do in therapy are becoming more and more accessible now. And we just need to look for it. We just need to be able to find and go to that to know that that is available versus say something that, you know, may just be like a, a, a quick hit that's not going to take us further in deepening our understanding and ability to work in our relationship. Exactly, exactly. So I, it sounds like that therapy, obviously preventative or other types of therapy is the best for couples. Um, Are there any other solutions or resources Mm -hmm. that you would recommend for couples who want to foster a strong marriage and relationship? I know you mentioned some books, I guess, are there certain books that you recommend or courses or I don't know, I've seen some activities too, but I never know which ones are like good or not. Do you have any recommendations for those? Yeah, well, well, let me start here. So one of the things we need to know is that to have a healthy and strong relationship, we need to have a strong foundation and friendship, which is built on admiration and respect. And we also need to have security and trust in our relationship. And Dr. Sue Johnson talks about this. She is a couples therapist, and she's the co-creator of Emotionally Focused Couples Therapist Therapy. And she uses the A-R-E conversation. And so this is so key that we are able to have this in our relationships. So A is available and accessible. So I can get your attention and support. Will you be there for me? Will you be open to me and my feelings? And can I depend on you? 
The R stands for responsive. And this is, I can count on you to respond to me and you will tune into how I am feeling. You will empathize with me and you will comfort me. And E is for engaged, which means that we, you, you, my partner will keep me close and cherish me. You'll confide in me. You'll also share your vulnerabilities, insecurities, and worries with me. You'll listen to my feelings and we'll have affection towards each other. So we need to be able to have this ARE type of conversation with our partners. And this is a foundation to a strong relationship. And are there any activities or resources to be able to have these sorts of conversations? Mm-hmm. So the two books I like to recommend, one by is by Dr. Sue Johnson, it's Hold Me Tight. Uh, and the other ones I really like for, are from Dr. John Gottman. It's Why Marriages uh, Succeed or Fail is one of my favorite ones. I'm looking over at my bookshelf. Um, that That's a really good one. Um, and then I also know that... Uh, Dr. Sue Johnson, she, I I mean, both of them, they offer trainings on their website. Um, So there's the Hold Me Tight program that's available online. I'm trying to think of some of the other resources, but but also reach out to a couple therapist that's close to you or nearby or check out my Be Connected space. It's a great space that people are learning to improve their relationship. And so what are some role models that we should look at instead of celebrities? I know that we talked about the sort mm-hmm. of parasocial relationship. And then obviously, it sounds like it's a little bit detrimental to identify maybe a little bit too much, even though we can get some nuggets from them, as you said. Are there certain role models that we can look to? And should they be celebrities? Or or do you have any recommendations? And I guess what sort of mindset to have so that we're not disappointed if they fail or have these thoughts like, oh, if they can't make it, then no one can. Yeah. So, okay. So this is really a kind of, it, it will depend on who you are as a person, but I think maybe the mindset is important that we look at what kind of mindset we have looking at other people's relationships and that we need to acknowledge that sometimes relationships do end and that is painful. And even people that we can admire and we can admire parts of their relationships from afar We need to acknowledge that we don't truly know what it's like to be in their lived experience. And having that acceptance of knowing that in some ways can help ease that disappointment so that if they don't work out, um, that we have an understanding that, yeah, there might be something that we really liked about their relationship. And also, at the same time, it didn't work for them. So I don't say that celebrities shouldn't be role models. I instead encourage people to have a critical eye and to see what works for them and pieces they would like to take, but then also going inside of themselves and seeing what feels good for them. So I like to talk about this idea of having our own inner wisdom, that our bodies know what feels good for us and what's going to work. So no matter who we are looking at, we ultimately have to go inside ourselves and tune into our own thoughts and feelings and then find out what we need and what feels good. Um, so I don't really have an answer in terms of like who, like what role models we should look up to. I think that all depends. I mean, could we look to maybe even our friends? Could we take nuggets from friends or family members? I think there could be a range of people that we could look to and not just celebrities. 
That's a really good point. And I like the mindset. I think that that's key, just as you said, if you have the right mindset of admiring a relationship or a couple, that that's the key to not being overly disappointed in if if their relationship fails or, or whatnot. So, mm-hmm. and on a personal note, um, I know that you listen to our podcast, but we always uh, end the conversation by asking more of a personal question of, you know, a time that you realize it's okay not to be a perfect mom and it's okay to be a good one instead, tying it back into our motto of being a good mother. Oh, yes, that is a great question. Oh, a time where I felt like it was to be a good enough mom, a good mom. You know, I think I'm really experiencing this around the pandemic because I leave my children at home every day to go to work and to care for my clients. And I am feeling this deep pull to want to be with my children. They're at home with my partner. Um, they're five and three. They're at such a curious and fun age. It's also a hard age. And I always say that. I thought doing my PhD would be the hardest thing that I'd have to do. And actually being a parent is the hardest thing. Um, so (laughs) So this piece here around acknowledging what I need to be a good mom and what I need is to be able to fill up other parts of me and that will be different for everybody. And so for me, that part is giving to my clients and caring for them. The other part is giving to the community that I'm building on Instagram and, you know, in the Be Connected space and being able to help other people nurture their own relationships. That part really fills me up within other domains of my life as well. You know, I enjoy seeing my friends and connecting with family and self-care. So I think really being pulled into these two worlds is challenging, but also accepting that when I go to work, I can come home and be present and just be just full hearted with my children. And that makes me a good mom. Mm, I love that so much. That's, that's actually really timely too, because we're actually um, releasing our first and only piece of jewelry and the words are be present. So that's perfect. Oh, that's Oh, I didn't so, even know, uh, you know, that's, that's been the biggest lesson of, of being a mom that, you know, in the middle of the night when your baby is crying and it's on two hours and, you know, you're not sure what's going on and your mind goes to, will I ever sleep again? What's going to happen? I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, it's just about taking a slow deep breath and acknowledging Mm -hmm. that this is a hard moment and letting yourself just be present with this Mm -hmm. is a hard moment coming back to your breath and breathing that's beautiful exactly i love that so much well dr tracy thank you so much for our conversation i enjoyed it so much and just you know learned so much from you as i knew i would and i hope it helps everyone listening just kind of sort through all the feelings that they're having with you know, big celebrity or just not even celebrity, but just people they admire and uh, the relationships failing or whatnot. So thank you so much. Thank you, Emily. I'm so glad to have been here today.